episode 52 and we are the murder, murder sisters. sisters not in a singing mood today Elisa. no <laughs> all right well, i oh, realize like when we do, when we record over zoom and we sing it like kind of sounds weird i don't know oh does at it? least it does to me no i think it's fine and as you heard we're on zoom again it's just you know with both of our lifestyles living away from each other and Justine so, has like a business trip that popped up. So yeah, I'm trying to like pack and get ready for that. Water my plants today. Nobody cares. All right. <laughs> so I think let's just hop right in. Yeah. Today we are going back to our roots and covering a strange and unsolved disappearance. I've known about this case for a while. It is one of those that you're like, what in the, this is the case. The case that we are going to be covering today is the disappearance of 27-year-old Brian Schaefer, who vanished in the early morning hours of April 1st, 2006, after a night of bar hopping with friends. Brian Schaefer was born on February 25th, 1979, in Pickerington, Ohio, Ohio, to parents Renee and Randy Schaefer. Brian was the oldest of two boys and he was super tall. Well, yeah, pretty tall at six foot two inches and weighed between 160 and 165 pounds. So tall and thin, mm-hmm. I would say. And had uh, brown hair and hazel eyes, like me. <laughs> Brian also had a Pearl Jam tattoo. I love that on his <laughs> upper right arm. And a dot on the iris of his left eye. So that so made, those are like, know. that's kind of like giving a, he would be an easy person to spot out, I guess, maybe. Yeah. A Pearl Jam tattoo, a fr- like kind of like a tall. freckle looking thing. Yeah. Tall, thin. And uh, Brian was a very driven kid who was great at tennis. In fact, some said that he could have gone semi-pro mm. after, Yeah. After graduating from his local high school in 1997, he went on to college at Ohio State. And after six years, Brian graduated with a degree in microbiology, which is super impressive. That's I don't even know what that would entail. It sounds just so smart. It's like this uh, small biology, right? I don't know. I crown means small, yeah. Yeah, and biology means biology, so. (laughs) Following that, started in the OSU College of Medicine program in 2004. Despite the fact that Brian seemed like a very driven individual with a clear career path set for him, Brian had mentioned to close friends that his true dream was to start a band and be on the beach. (laughs) Who doesn't dream of that? complete opposite of of small bio- biology of microbiology yeah. well and he was going through the medical program so yeah that's becoming yeah. a doctor yeah sounds like it and just yeah like starting a band and living on the or being on the beach that sounds fun but yeah, yeah. it is totally opposite from like the career path he was on uh, I would say like polar opposite of what he was doing <laughs> pursuing a medical career yeah So he might have been doing what he thought was expected of him and not what he was actually passionate about, which, you know, 
I think everyone can relate. Like I went to school, I got my bachelor's in art and was like, I can't get a job in art. And then went back for my master's in advertising marketing and the media and have a career in that. So, uh, you know, it's all about me. I like to interject myself into these stories. Well, no, because your passion <laughs> is art, but yeah, realistically. Yeah. Yeah. I realized like, you know, I could do art, but he could be on the beat. He could go to the beach, be in a band and still be a doctor maybe Yeah, as a career. After being in the medical program at OSU for two years, Brian's family had a horrible tragedy strike. Brian's mother, Renee, passed away after she lost her battle to myelodysplasia. 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 Mm -hmm. It's a hard one. It's really like long and hard to say. According to cancer.gov, quote, myelodysplastic syndromes are a group of cancers in which immature blood cells in the bone marrow do not mature or become healthy blood cells. The different types of myelodysplastic, myelodysplastic syndromes are diagnosed based on certain changes in the blood cells and bone marrow, end quote. Okay. So it's like a blood. Yeah, yeah, okay. definitely. So yeah, it sounds like a blood cancer type of thing. Those close to Brian said that on the outside, he seemed to be handling the death of his mother pretty well. However, they also said that they felt like it bothered him a lot more than he was willing to admit or show. I think you're like this, Lisa. I'm very, I am like very emotional and express and, you know, dramatic, yeah. I'd say. You are one who is, you're very sensitive and you keep it inside, I would say. Sometimes, um, I mean. I yeah, that, yeah, yeah. But anyway, like, he, you know, it had to have probably bothered him. He was close with his family, but he just didn't show a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Maybe kept it behind sad. closed like, doors. Reach out to people. Or yeah, something. it's really but, sad. It's really sad. Yeah. I mean, everybody handles things differently, so maybe that's that yeah. works for him. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's just who he is. And uh, something to know about Brian's mother, Renee, is that she worked as a nurse, and she mm-hmm. was a reason why Brian wanted to get into the field yeah. of medicine. So I find it very hard to believe that he was handling the death of his mother, yeah. who seemed to be like his inspiration for the path that he set for himself. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's heartbreaking. Something else that spoke to how upset Brian could have been on the inside is that he was actually an hour late for his own mother's funeral service. Mm. I know. I can't imagine, like, being that late for something so important unless you were unless in just like a very bad emotional space. And in a complete fog. Foggy. Yeah. Like, it reminds me of being like fog brain, like, not, yeah. Having no concept of time. And I think that's, you know, one of the feelings like when you go through tragedy is like, there's no like concept of time. And it's just, yeah, you're just kind of like going through the motion. So, Mm. yeah, that's 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 heartbreaking. Again, I could be like reading into it too much, but it makes me think that Brian was not doing very well. Yeah. And the fact that he was trying to hold in all of his emotions surrounding the death of his mother. 
and not talk to the people closest to him about how he was feeling was, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure taking a toll on him and that's just speculation, but it's like human nature and how our emotions impact us and not, you know, it's like well-known that holding it in, feeling that pain alone is like not very good and can have like later impacts on him. But I'm no doctor, so. (laughs) While in medical school at OSU, Brian had met and started dating a fellow medical student by the name of Alexis Wagner. From everything that I heard and read, the two were pretty serious. In fact, Alexis, her family and friends, and Brian's family and friends, were pretty sure that Brian was planning on proposing to Alexis after he had asked her to go on a vacation to Miami, Florida which was gifted to them by his mother before she passed. Oh I know. And so that was during the couple's spring break in April. I'm not sure why Alexis and everyone else was so convinced that Brian was planning on proposing. I'm glad you brought that up because I saw an interview where somebody was asking her about that. And she was pretty sure that he was going to propose, but have any evidence that he purchased a ring, right? Or that he told anybody really about it? Like, God, that's weird. So no evidence that pointed to the fact that he was going to propose, although (laughs) Alexis was very convinced that it was going to happen. And Um, I feel like you're bringing all, these are all relevant to state of mind, maybe like, Okay, so it's setting the stage it. for his... Yeah, when you okay. get into like that part, it's showing more about what, what his mental space was, his personality at the time, or yeah. what was going on in his life. Let's jump to the night of March 31st, 2006, which was approximately three weeks following the death of Brian's mother. So that's a not a long time. Not at, at all. all. Not at all. Like that's still definitely, I would say, in like cloudy... For sure. Yeah. After attending classes that day, Brian was officially on spring break and decided to go out for dinner with his dad so that he could spend time with him and console him since his father was mourning the loss of his wife, Brian's mother. Mm -hmm. Apparently, Brian's father, Randy, had noticed that Brian seemed especially exhausted and didn't think that it was a good idea for him to go bar hopping that night. However, he kept his reservations to himself and didn't say anything to Brian. You know, it was probably like, oh, what do you have any plans tonight? Yeah, I'm going to go bar hopping. But he seemed drained or whatever. Yeah. And his dad's just like, I don't know if that's a good idea. But without actually telling him that. Yeah, because who's going to listen to you? And I'm sure that if he had said that, it probably would have just like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Like he had one that was his plans. And if his dad's like, I don't think that's a good idea, he's like, cool. whatever. Yeah. After spending t- some time with his dad, Brian hit the bar scene with his friend and former roommate, Clint, Clint Florence, around 9 p.m. and started their night out at a local OSU bar called the Ugly Tuna Saluna, <laughs> which I, yeah, cute, which at the time was located in the South Campus Gateway Complex on High Street in Columbus. It has since moved, but just to give you an idea. According to Clint, the two had approximately four to five shots of liquor at the Ugly Tuna Saluna. I know, I'm like, oh, that's that's how you start out the bar hopping is with four to five shots like right off the bat. I understand that. 
I know. Well, I, I mean, they're young though. So that's, yeah, that's, yeah. Yes. I know we're like, Oh my, Oh, can't even imagine, but (laughs) I don't know. Even if I even had one shot, I would be no way. So I'm not a thing in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, I can't even drink a a full cocktail. That's right. Yeah. You were telling me that. Yep. Mom life. And I'm just boring life. I don't know. Um, <laughs> um, so they started out with four to five shots of liquor at the Ugly Tuna Saluna. After being out with Clint for an hour, Alexis, who was at home visiting her parents in Toledo, Ohio, which is about a two and a half hour drive from the OSU campus, she called Brian to check in with him. Alexis said that Brian sounded fine and not depressed or down or anything. Well, he just took like five shots. So, <laughs> so he was probably, probably feeling, feeling pretty. <laughs> yep. I think that was his like goal feeling that pretty night. numb. Yeah. 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 Just out having fun. Just like distracted. Clint and Brian made their way down to the short north area shopping and um, stop. Sorry, shopping. This, <laughs> I'll say that again. Clint and Brian made their way down to the short north area, stopping in at a few more bars. So that was like the bar hopping thing. Just like mm-hmm. start one place, five shots, go to the next place, five shots. I don't know. That is exactly what bar hopping is. Yes. Just- Thank you. I know. I'm like, am I getting this right? <laughs> Nailed it. I don't know. Nailed it. And um, having a shot at each stop. So then, you know, yeah, Jesus. just like Elisa confirmed Ooh. that is bar hopping. After making it to the short north area, Clint and Brian met up with Clint's friend, Meredith Reed. Meredith gave the two a ride back to the Ugly Tuna Saluna, where she joined them for more drinks. Okay, so full circle. Full circle, back to where they came. (laughs) Surveillance footage from that night shows the three at 1.15 a.m. coming up the escalator to the Ugly Tuna Saluna bar. You can see Brian leaning on the handrail. Once they made it inside, they ran into a couple of young women that Clint knew. And according to Clint, whoa, Brian was doing his usual thing and was talking to those two girls, end quote. This to me means that he was flirting with them. But that is just an assumption that I am making. Like doing interesting thing for his friend to say. Usual thing. Like, I don't know. Hitting on girls. What does that mean? Be more specific. That's what I would I'm reading between the lines and yeah, that seems, uh, yeah, I think we agree on that. And but it kind of seems mind, like maybe that bothered Clint a little bit. Yeah, you're right, Elisa. At around 1.55 AM, Brian can be seen for the last time on surveillance footage where he is shown outside of the ugly tuna saluna talking with the two young women. Brian can then be seen leaving the frame and presumably going back into the ugly tuna saluna a few minutes after that, Clint and Meredith were ready to leave, but were not able to find Brian or get a hold of him via cell phone. And I think at this point, it is a perfect place to pass it off to Elisa to cover the search and theories about what could have happened to Brian the night of April 1st, 2006. Take it away. Thank you. Okay. So... As Justine mentioned, Brian was seen on video surveillance throughout the night and specifically while he was at the last stop, the ugly tuna saluna. I think we just like saying the name. I, I, I know, know, right? I like how many, but I could have just said the bar and people would um, know, but yeah, got to say the whole thing. 
The bar was closing at 2 a.m. So even though Clint and Meredith couldn't get a hold of Brian when Clint tried to call him, they did go back inside the Ugly Tuna Saluna. They looked all over there. They looked in the bathrooms and Mm -hmm. they actually went out front of the bar and waited for Brian as like people were emptying out. Yeah, because it's like he's not, he's somewhere around here. We know so he's inside. Eventually, so he he'll eventually to, make his way out. Yeah. Come out. But he, they never saw him come out with the rest wow. of the hmm. bar people. So at that point, Clint texted Brian and mm-hmm. it went unanswered. He was asking, Where are you? Yeah. Brian didn't answer. So the two, him and Meredith, Clint and Meredith, presumed that. Brian left on his own Mm -hmm. and went home so they were like yeah that's a pretty fair assumption I would say he's a dude too it's not like a girl that you're leaving alone so they were like okay cool we're gonna leave um and they did so Mm -hmm. when Alexis his girlfriend Brian's girlfriend couldn't reach Brian that Saturday she reached out to Brian's dad Randy to see if he had heard from Brian because she also knew that they had done dinner. Oh yes. Friday night. So she was like, Oh, maybe he, you know, he knows where Brian is or talk to him. Brian's dad tried to reach Brian and couldn't. And, you know, they were kind of like, what's, you know, I don't know what's going on here. Maybe he's sleeping. Maybe, you know, they didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. But after Brian missed his flight to Miami, which was that trip that his mom gifted him for Brian and Alexis, they were supposed to fly out that Monday, April 3rd, 2006. And Brian missed the flight. Oh, so they were still planning on going and doing the trip. Oh, okay. Okay. I didn't know Um, that part. At that point, Brian's father filed a missing persons report and the search for Brian officially began. Okay. Now- The investigation obviously started, you know, the Columbus police department started their investigation at the ugly tuna saluna Mm -hmm. since that was the last place that we know he was seen. And after reviewing all of the footage from that bar, Columbus PD couldn't see Brian leaving the building after that last shot of him re-entering the bar around 155. Okay. And something to note is that each working exit at the bar was covered by a camera. So I I was thinking that, is there an exit in the back or, you know, like, and I say working exit, because I will get to that. Oh, okay. All right. But So the functioning exits that were in use at the time, like one was manually had a camera that was manually operated. The others had like cameras that were constantly covering the doors Mm -hmm. as well as an escalator that led to the street. So Mm -hmm. outside the bar, out of the camera view were stairs and an elevator that led to the first floor. And on the first floor, the only way that Brian could have left unseen was through an exit that was not in use at the time, since it led straight into a construction zone. Okay. All right. So that sounds confusing. I realize Mm -hmm. you're like downstairs, escalator, whatever. Yeah. The bar was kind of in a two-story shopping center kind of thing. That's what, and I've seen this video of him on the Mm -hmm. escalator 
And that's exactly what it it's like a yeah. shopping mall type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Upstairs. So this yeah. So this construction zone exit thing was on the first floor. The ugly tuna saluna was on the second floor. Okay. So, so to get to the saloon saluna, you have to mm-hmm. go up. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like I said, that exit was not being used because it led yeah. straight into a construction zone. And according to police, the area would have been extremely difficult to navigate while sober, let oh. alone if you're drunk and it's dark. Yeah. I mean, um, you have your cell phone. I was thinking if it's dark, but you had a cell phone, I think, right? Yeah. Maybe. Presumably, yeah. That's a flashlight, but why would anyone even do that. I don't know either, um, Lisa. Police did work with Brian's cell phone provider to try and locate him through his cell phone activity, but the last activity from Brian's phone was at 2:10 a.m. when he received that text message from Clint asking him where he was. Mm-hmm. So they also brought out search crews. They brought dogs to try to locate Brian or even pick up a scent to know yeah. where he police searched dumpsters. They searched the nearby river. They went door to door. They set up a line. Yeah. And they, with the tip line, they did get tips. However, none of them led to anything. Uh, Mm -hmm. Um, There were flyers with Brian's pictures, including one of his tattoo. And those were posted all over and police went through Brian's bank and credit card activity and monitored it and nothing ever there was there was no activity activity. at all and they even went to surrounding surveillance footage that was reviewed and no other cameras had picked brian up after he was spotted on the ugly tuna saluna surveillance at 155 and it was as if he vanished and I hate it's like oh vanished into thin air People yeah that. yeah but, it's not literally but yeah and like remember you had mentioned Justine that he was six feet two inches tall yep and that's an above average height for a man yeah um, yeah yeah so even in a crowd you would you be able to at least pinpoint okay there these are the tall people that are leaving the bar you know, yeah. do any of them even look like him? And none of them did. So, wow. Um, yeah. Huh. And something interesting <laughs> that I found was Columbus, Ohio, which is where Brian went missing from has more surveillance cameras than any other city in Ohio. Wow. So oh, interesting. definitely. Yeah. Police definitely used that to their advantage. Yeah. And even with that, they still found <gasps> nothing. And so, and I'm sure they mapped it out. So they're like, he had to have been in some, some kind of view somewhere around there at mm-hmm. some point, but he never was. He just, not, and that's yeah. where the vanishing into thin air thing is mm-hmm. like, where yeah. could he have? So okay. obviously they started at the Tuna Saluna mm-hmm. in terms of searches and video surveillance and fanned out and nothing. Mm-hmm. They also went back to Brian's apartment and to see, oh, maybe he left in his car. Maybe he left on purpose and took off in his car or, but his car was still there. His belongings Whoa, were still there. Huh. So, you know. And then, and so when they did a, were they able to do a pinging thing off of his phone or? 
it just said that his phone was not had no activity yeah after that oh. text message okay so okay. i'm pres i mean presumably his phone was either dead or turned off yeah yeah i was thinking um, that that so maybe it after was 155 yeah or sorry after 210 which was uh, that text message. okay so after brian went missing his girlfriend alexis would and this is so sad she oh, would call okay. his cell phone every night and the hopes that brian yeah. would answer it someday oh and, you know, every single time she called, it just went straight to voicemail until she called in September of 2006. Wait, and so he went missing in April and she called every night all the way. To oh, that is sad, Lisa. It is sad. very sad. Uh, and so when she called in September of 2006, the phone actually rang three times. Whoa. And so she obviously, you know, that feeling you're like, oh my gosh. Oh yeah. Night after night, she's probably expecting just to go straight to voice. Yeah. She's doing it. Yeah. So Alexis, Brian's dad and Brian's brother, Derek had obviously, you know, this is exciting news. This is hopeful. Mm -hmm. This is, you know, good news. Something. It's something. Yeah. But the police technician that reviewed the cell phone activity said that it was basically a glitch with the cell phone provider and the towers. Oh. I'm not sure how that. What? Yeah. It seems uh, like a super odd glitch. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, to like actually ring. Because where's that ring going? And mm -hmm. yeah. huh. And with that ring, the phone call, it that call pinged off of a tower that was 14 miles Northwest of Columbus in a place called mm -hmm. Hilliard. Oh, so they were able to at least like see that. Yeah. But according to this technician, it was whoopsies. Oh, so that even was a glitch where it's like, Oh, there's this location, but don't, it's not reliable. I mean, <gasps> they looked into uh, it and it wasn't any, like, I don't know. Nothing. Okay. I don't know. That seems odd. Yeah. That's me. weird. Yeah. Because if the phone, as far as I know, the phone was not ever located. Yeah. So it's like, why after that long would it suddenly ring? But and also then, maybe somebody found it, charged it. Because back in 2006, phones were not yeah, like, like they, they are, are today. So uh -huh. you could just pick up somebody's phone that you find and start using it. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to like hack into the mainframe to like get access yep. to it. Mother, open up the motherboard mm -hmm. or anything. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, you know, one time or one thing. And then something interesting, those that spent time with Brian the night that he disappeared, including his father, mm -hmm. were asked by police to take lie detector tests. Yeah. Basically to figure out like, do you know more about this? Like, do you know, yeah. did he tell you, oh, I want to take off. I want to have time alone. <gasps> oh, you know, things like that. Or did you have something to do with it? Do you know more than you're saying? Yeah. So just, let's just rule it out. This yeah. is just a tool that we can just use to rule. So tool to rule. Brian's father, Randy and mm -hmm. Meredith, who was Clint's friend that drove them back. Yes. To the that they, yeah. Yeah. They both took and passed their lie detector tests okay however mm -hmm. clint refused to take a test which is weird i mean okay so i i'm a strong believer in never taking a lie detector test i mean especially yeah. if you're somebody that suffers from any sort of anxiety 
Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, because it can't really, I mean, at, it can create doubt. And I was, it's, well, can't yeah, be used it's in like, court, but it can, if you are, if it's inconclusive or even if it shows that there is, what is it? Deception. Yeah, deception, then you're screwed. And then you're having to climb this uphill battle, even if you didn't have anything to do with it. And then well, and I then will it, go on you. It puts all of the focus and efforts into a dead end. So I, get, I, yeah. I get where he's coming from at the same time. Who knows the reason why yeah. he chose to do that? He also got a lawyer. But in his yeah. defense, he was very, they were very drunk that night. Felt like the police were focusing on him and honing in on him. That's scary. Yeah. So, and okay. The thing, and I'll mention it a little more later is Clint was with Meredith. So yeah, that's true. Know, the I don't whole think, time, right? Yeah. So I don't think that he, I think you're right. You're right. You're he was right. scared. He was also drunk. So who knows how much he remembered. Yeah. And so also those two women that were seen speaking with Brian, the last time that he was on surveillance footage, they were identified. They said that they were not asked to take a lie detector test, but they were spoken like police talked to them and they were mm-hmm. cleared ruled out. Or, yeah. Mm-hmm. So with all of that being said, there are theories around what could have possibly happened. Initially, police felt that or thought that Brian either met with foul play or he had some sort of accident and was mm-hmm. unable to be located or help. Like those were, that's what they were working with at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But after conducting exhaustive searches for Brian, police kind of changed direction a little bit and considered the possibility that maybe Brian had left on his own to Mm. be alone with his thoughts or, you know, to grieve the loss of his mother by himself or. Yeah. Cause alcohol can bring up emotions and it might've been like, Mm -hmm. and, and, and okay. And like you said, setting the stage earlier with how his mental state was holding everything in then you're drinking and it could have just like came out yeah yeah that's very true and yeah so you know they did with that theory though police felt like if that was what happened brian didn't intend on staying away indefinitely you know so maybe he went to be by himself and then something happened he had Mm -hmm. some sort of accident i don't know but it's still strange. Where is he? Yeah. If you have an accident, you're going to be yeah. found, you know. Another yeah, interesting, that is so weird. Another interesting theory came about from a psychic that mm-hmm. reached out to Brian's dad, Randy. According to the psychic, Brian's body was in water near a bridge. Mm-hmm. So going off of this information from the psychic, Randy and Brian's brother, Derek, along with some other volunteers, searched for hours and hours and hours along the shores oh. and near the bridges of the Olentangy River. I hope mm-hmm. I'm right. I'm sure you are. <laughs> and the Olentangy River flows through Columbus adjacent to the OSU campus. And it mm-hmm. is about one mile from Bryant's apartment. Okay. So 
they search, 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 nothing. Yeah. Find anything. They're not even finding shoes. They're not finding any like clothing. Nothing, 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 nothing. Wow. Yeah. And although Brian was never found in the Olatangi river, the idea that he could be there sparked other theories Mm -hmm. that Brian was the victim of the smiley face killer. Oh, I wanted to make sure if I brought this up that I explain kind of smiley face killer thing. Yeah. So the idea of the smiley face killer is a theory that was created by a New York City detective, Kevin Gannon and Anthony Duart, as well Mm -hmm. as Dr. Lee Gilbertson, who's a Mm -hmm. criminal justice professor and a gang expert at St. Cloud Mm -hmm. State University. And according to these individuals, there are a number of young men who were found dead in bodies of water across several Midwestern American states. They feel like despite these men having accidental death or accidental drowning listed as their cause of death, mm-hmm. they think that they it was not an accident. Because it's like too weird that all these people are showing up in these bodies yes. of water drowned and accidentally. So, and it's yeah. like and so that's... these three individuals think that it's a serial killer. Mm-hmm. And the reason they call this person the smiley face killer is become is because police had discovered graffiti depicting a smiley face near locations they think the that the killer dumped these bodies and okay. that is attached to at least a dozen of the cases. Whoa, that there's so, somewhere graffiti with a smiley face. Yeah. On the crime or and on the scene. So in order for the theory that Brian was killed by the smiley face killer, you would have to believe that the smiley face killer is real. Maybe sometime down the line, if it's not too, I don't know, it might be interesting to do an episode on that. Yeah. There's the theory that he ended his own life. Yeah. Um, okay. You know, because of but, uh, things that were going on in his life. I don't think that that's the case personally. I don't either. Cause you also would have found the body. It's like, how did he yeah. hide his own body mm-hmm. like that? Well, that's and where then, like, I don't know. Yeah. And then some of the other theories are that Brian did leave out of the construction zone exit. Yeah. He injured himself. And in order to prevent a lawsuit, the owners of the, <gasps> the ugly tuna, killed him and disposed of his <gasps> body. That's a little ridiculous. extreme. Ridiculous. That's a little extreme. And okay, so I I my mind keeps going back to like he ended up in the construction. I don't know. It just and then he exited out one of those. But then it's like, okay, so all these weird things would have to go like fall into place. First he goes to the construction, then he exits out one of the weird exits somehow. Well the exit, the weird exit opened up to the construction zone okay but then exiting okay so wait but the construction zone is in the building isn't it it's outside of the building so oh okay i thought it was like on the first floor like they were doing like inside construction the exit the door to the construction zone is on the first floor okay i see i see i see kind of kind of i'm it's, gonna have to read yeah i might like look up a Maybe we'll put post a picture on our Instagram. Yeah. Um, I'm just kind of like 
show the sit. Yeah. But so but that if he's theory... stuck out somehow is what I'm thinking. But then where is he still? So the obviously that's a ridiculous theory. Another theory is that Brian somehow changed his clothing and exited the bar with the other patrons, but was somehow missed on surveillance footage. I was also thinking that <laughs> I was like, what if he squatted down? Like if there's a crowd of people, he squatted down really low, has a baseball cap on. So he looks shorter. I don't know. I'm just going. It all things. depends on like the angles of the camera. Like yeah. the camera is a crappy camera and it doesn't show like proper angles. I mean, I guess that could happen. Yeah. He's all- uh, but then people would see him and be like, oh yeah, that dude was next to me. Crouched down. Not if everyone's wasted. That's a problem with bars, right, Elisa? Yeah. No reliable witnesses. <laughs> but then I'm like, where would he have gotten this change of clothing? If he planned ahead. Maybe he had. But where would he have gotten? Like, you would have had to see him because he started at the Ugly Tuna. You would have had to see him have. But he could have tucked a hat into his pants or something. He could have also had clothing on underneath <gasps> yeah lisa like taken off his shirt and had another shirt underneath or and a baseball cap he, yeah he could have had like shorts on or underneath yeah yeah and i i just keep saying baseball cap that's like my thing just because like i feel like that would definitely be harder to recognize like yeah i don't know i don't know so sure of the police theory. thought of those yeah, yeah. He, just, he did exit out with everybody else, but but then where is he? Because they were looking for something that yeah yeah different. I would I would hope that they would think of that though. Like, hey, I'm sure they did. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, another little thing that came up when I was researching, and I don't know how much stock to put in this, is that mm-hmm. some say that Clint and Brian actually got into an argument that night at the ugly saluna yeah i've read that too and that clint knows more about what happened to brian that night yeah and that's why he didn't want to take a lie detector test um however meredith and clint were together that night meredith yeah. took a lie detector test and passed it so if clint did know something or did yeah. do something meredith was completely oblivious yeah um, and how is that possible yeah and then like okay let's break that down what what about going to the bathroom like she could have gone to the bathroom and he killed him really quickly (laughs) they look they checked the bathrooms for him no i mean like if mary because they could you know like oh they were together clint and meredith were together all the time but what about when she's like going to the bathroom somebody would have found his body oh yeah and we saw clint with meredith like waiting for, you know like yeah yeah he he's left, like all he left sweaty with her dragging like, a body somewhere yeah, yeah that's the biggest thing is like that he's nowhere to be found they checked the construction mm-hmm. site checked the water and checked everything yeah okay um and presumably derek brian's brother thinks that clint knows more than he's sharing i don't know what there is to know besides yeah. maybe um if Brian was like, I need to take off, I want to take off, and somehow Clint helped him do that, I don't know. But why? Why would he risk it and like himself getting in trouble for that? And he could have, Brian could have just done that from his own apartment. Like, why? Right? Why does he have to get wasted first? Why does like, it have to be this mystery? That's not a. <laughs> hey, bro, you're the only one who knows this. I'm going to go off the grid. But first, we're going to get really tanked. 
And I want it to be this crazy mystery that lasts forever. Yeah, so I brought a hat in my pocket. That's my thing. I keep going Um, with that. I think, you know, I, I think that it's entirely possible that Brian did leave out of that construction exit. Yeah. That's um, I think so too. People police and sometimes people think like, oh, a drunk person can never get through that. You'd be surprised what some drunk people can do. You're very right. Cause they don't have like inhibitions that are holding them yeah. back. They're just like, they can hurt themselves easy. And I feel like, I don't know, some people are when they're drunk, maybe move slower and more methodically. Cause they're like, Oh, I'm yeah. Really drunk. I need yeah. To think that's about so true. Steps I'm taking and-, and touch things and make sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, but then from there, where is he? That's yeah. the crazy part. That is. And then the I guess part. maybe that's where the smiley face killer. comes. <laughs> yeah. That I know. I don't want to like buy into it because there's just absolutely yeah. no evidence that whatsoever, but it might have been just a crime of opportunity but maybe he's like he, this tall guy I don't know maybe he left through that weird exit so no one saw him he was like I need some time alone I'm gonna walk to my apartment or whatever mm-hmm. he was like oh I gotta go pee so he went down to the river to take a pee and mm-hmm. then I don't who knows Alisa I think you have this figured out yet um, again you've solved this case this but then we're weird. yeah, it's like, so this one I remember knowing about this from you know years ago, and it just you can't you don't have answers like a lot of the cases we cover. It's like you can go through all the theories and nothing really ever makes sense and nothing ever. But also, I think at the same time, the reason why this doesn't make sense is because we are putting so much into the fact that he wasn't picked up on surveillance footage what if that's not the biggest part like what if there's yeah. multiple ways he could have left and or not been seen on yeah. footage or reasons why and that just isn't even yeah yeah but i think it's the combination it's like the not on footage with him just absolutely like no trace of him yeah but uh, so yeah two updates uh, two years after brian disappeared in september of 2008 randy brian's father he this is horrible he was outside during a really terrible windstorm mm-hmm. and he was in his yard cleaning up some of the debris when a tree branch fell on him and killed him <gasps> that you know what I was also thinking you know there's like families that are like Mm. how can one family have so many tragedies and that's what this reminded me of I'm like I didn't even know about that his dad it's like tragedy 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 wow so the brother's just like Derek that's what yeah that's (gasps) so it's just just, within uh, that immediate family so Brian's mom dies three weeks later Brian completely vanishes no answers, no closure. Two years later, the dad Two dies years. from a freak accident. accident. Oh, gosh. And all that's left in that immediate family is brother Derek. Brother Derek. Poor and Derek. it's like, how much trauma can that yeah. have or that man have? Tragedy, trauma. And then also, like, the fact that, like, with his mom, you know, why she passed away. You can kind of mourn that. 
I don't know. I'm saying you can kind of mourn that not going through it. My, you know, like, um, well, yeah, we've gone through something like that. Yeah. So you can, you can process it. It's a different, it's very different, it's a different than but unexpected. not knowing and like not even finding, a, like, even if you find a body, you know that he's like deceased and you can at least process that if there's no answers. But like finding no trace of him whatsoever is, I can't even imagine living with that. That would be the worst thing ever. Mm-hmm. And then his dad. And then the only person he has left is his dad who just two only two years later yeah oh alisa thanks for that update huh. well and then i have like another i don't know i included it just because why not okay. um in 2019 there was a photo of an american homeless man that was taken in tijuana mexico mm-hmm. and a lot of people saw that and were like that's brian like, oh yeah so local authorities got in touch with the fbi mm-hmm. who for four weeks investigated the lead and they also used like some crazy facial recognition analysis software Mm -hmm. and determined that it wasn't him Uh, that was kind of the closest thing and it wasn't even close and it it wasn't wasn't him him. oh no so currently there is a $1,000, 1, $100,000. Oh, wow. I think that's the highest reward we've books. ever covered. Uh, $100,000 reward for information leading to Brian. Mm-hmm. If you have any information, you are urged to contact the Columbus, Ohio Police Department at 614-645-4545. And as always, you can always call Crime Stoppers. They are um, at 1-877-645-8477. And we will be posting, as we do, pictures of Brian. Um, I'm going to try to see if I can hunt down, like, either a good picture or, like, a drawn-out, crude map thing. Yeah, yeah, of the anything property or like yeah. what it looked like at the time that he went that he disappeared because it's like I've even seen this footage and I it's still hard for me to as we're talking about it visualize what exactly but it would be cool if you can put a little can you put a little more um uh, invest a little more time into finding that Alisa? They, no that would be great <laughs> um so yeah this is another crazy case and I didn't know about any you know, I knew about this case, but not as much detail that you went into. So, oh, another awful one. And I'm really, I'm going to, I'm going to look into, I know that I've seen, read, learned about the smiley face killer thing um, in connection to a few other suspicious deaths. Yeah. That's I, right. Like okay. you, I didn't know that it was just like this theory that no based one really, on yeah. vandalism yeah um uh, huh interesting I think yeah. that's a good a good one to look into yeah all right well that wraps up episode 52 thank you everyone for listening if you have cases um please email us at murder sisters pod at gmail.com that is murder sisters pod at gmail.com follow us on instagram murder sisters pod subscribe to us love us <laughs> just love us in your hearts share share our podcast share with your friends family 
all the things um and hopefully soon we'll be we'll do record another in-person episode I think it's you know um it has and we're just you know sticking with it thank Alisa's put a lot of time into this thank you Alisa thank you um and I feel like you know as long as we're getting we promised episodes every other week so we're doing that it might not be the best quality but I don't think it's too bad though and we're here so yeah keep listening Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.